Hello, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And welcome to the Backstage Show Halloween Special. on the backstage show we have a halloween special talking about theater superstitions and of course we had to do a special version of the theme just for that because why not well i mean you know as long as we have the world's least dangerous band on payroll we may well, as well they, make use of them. well they got kidnapped and got replaced by the world's spookiest orchestra or is that the world's least spooky orchestra <laughs> probably yeah so theater has uh, many superstitions surrounding it as many of you may be familiar with believe it or not and some of them actually had kind of a rational origin to them, and others we don't yeah. really fully know for sure where they came from. Yeah, we've done a lot of research on this episode, and unfortunately uh, haven't really written our sources down. So we do apologize for that, but there are plenty of places out on the internet where you can research these further. We're going to give you a basic background on them, talk about some of our experiences with them, and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's. I think we've also heard... a at least about some of these before we even did the research, just from yeah, many of them hearsay or you know mm-hmm. people mentioning them that we've worked with before. Right, I'd, I'd say there's only like maybe a half a dozen I hadn't heard of, but uh, as someone who is a somewhat superstitious person, I have kind of taken some of these and run with them. You even wrote a play about that. I did indeed. Yeah, I had a one act uh, entitled Superstition, which was uh, two actors auditioning for a production named Mac and Beth. And one of the superstitions, we're probably going to close with this one because it's one of the most well-known, is that you're not supposed to say Macbeth in a theater. So. But we are not in a theater today. We are not in a theater, so Macbeth, Macbeth, Beth, blah, blah, blah. Easy for you to say. Apparently not. <laughs> Macbeth, Macbeth, Macbeth. That's actually hard to say three times fast. Well, imagine if you had to undo the curse. But yeah. I don't think there's... No, I think some... We'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about it when we get to that. <laughs> we'll start... No. Wait, let's start off with one of the more... Uh, other more well-known ones, which is the whole break a leg thing. Yeah. What an unusual thing to say to somebody. It certainly sounds that way. There's an entire number in uh, the producer's musical, the, the uh, Mel Brooks musical. I, I can't even... It's, I think it's... I mean, the whole thing is it's bad luck to say good luck on opening night. Right. But I can't remember what the song is called. I think it's just called Good Luck. <laughs> yeah, so... Instead, we wish bodily harm on people. Yes, we tell them to break a leg. So, well, obviously... There's more, there's more to it than that, as we've kind of both come to learn. Yeah, I mean, so there's a, a lot of different background stories to this. It might Some of this might just be people going, okay, well, we know we say break a leg, so let's see what fits with that. So the sides of a curtain, you'll, you'll see once the curtain is open, there's like these two little thin bits of curtain on either side which are known as the legs, the right. legs of the curtain. So when you enter the stage, you're breaking the leg. Right, yeah, that was um, something I had read mm-hmm. that uh, attributed that to that's when you get paid to be on stage in theaters if you break the leg, meaning okay. you go into the view of the open uh, section of the stage and are visible to the audience. Mm-hmm. So a standby or whatever might not even break a leg. True. So I guess that makes sense. The other origin that I've heard of with that is... When you bow at the end of a show, your your knee bends, so you're breaking a leg at that right. point. You're not physically breaking it. You're mm-hmm. just bending, making it, bending it, right? <laughs> yeah. making that straight. Yeah. But going back to the curtain leg, another one I just learned about from um, Dan, stage manager I mentioned I've worked with before, yeah. told me that 
an alternate interpretation with the curtain legs, as far as breaking the legs goes, is if you have a really good reaction from the audience when the people are bowing and then the curtain closes and opens and opens, uh, closes and opens again. Mm-hmm. If the rigging breaks and then the legs break, hmm. it means that you got a really good positive reaction because they kept so having to open, open and close the curtain multiple times that something broke on the curtain legs. Interesting. So yeah. I hadn't heard that one before. I, I neither until he told me. Yeah. Wouldn't that be breaking the whole curtain? Probably more than just the legs, yeah. but... But I guess that's what's going to be there by the time (laughs) you you open it it again. You you got it it breaks. (laughs) I had also, when I was looking into this, I had also read that it may not actually refer to anything on stage as far as the curtain legs or the actor's legs. It Mm -hmm. may even be referring to the audience's legs. Really? And in what way? I think it had to do with going back to the origins of theater amongst the Greeks. Okay. I think I remember reading that instead of clapping... There was stomping involved to express approval. I have heard that before, so yeah. So if somebody stomps really hard because they really enjoyed your performance, they may accidentally break their leg. Yeah, that seems like a stretch, but <laughs> I mean, I, that's why I feel like some of these were just kind of patterned after it. Like, you know, everybody knows that you say break a leg, so people were like, gee, why do we say that? Yeah. And then they go back and go, well, that kind of fits. Similar to uh, if you've ever heard the term backronym. Yeah, where something, retronym. Yeah, that's another, I think, another one where, where you have something that, is actually a word, but people decide that it actually is an acronym, so they make up something that fits that word. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of that they're making up something that fits break a leg. Yeah, as it seems that there's really little agreement over what it really means, mm-hmm. that's probably the case. Yeah. And there's one you had found about a German toast. Yes, Halsenbeinbrock, uh, which translates to neck and leg fracture. Now... I know, again, from the musical The Producers that I believe that's what Germans say instead of good luck or whatever the German equivalent of good luck would be. Guten Locken. I think there's at least that joke in The Producers. I don't know if that's actually. <laughs> I don't think that's Probably it. not. If I recall my uh, German education, I believe it was viel Glück. Okay. Is good luck. Well, then you, you probably should have said Haus und Beinbruch because I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Haus und Beinbruch. Well, let's see. There you go. So, yeah, that's neck and leg fracture. So whether it was a toast before it was used for theater or it became a toast because of theater, that's what I'm not really sure about. And then there's the ideas about the connections to the evil spirits that want to potentially disrupt the production and kind of the reverse psychology in that if you're wishing somebody luck, you're inviting bad things to happen. But if you wish horrible things to happen, you get the opposite Right. Effect. I think when I first knew about break a leg, I feel like that was the interpretation that I gave it, that you don't want to say good luck because it's it's just bad luck. So you just wish bad upon them and hope that that will turn into good. Right. And then I have some people that like, they won't wish you good luck for an audition. They won't like anything involved with it or they won't wish you good luck. Yeah. I think I've fallen into that habit myself just yeah. because every, I'm never really sure, you know, who yeah, you don't want to offend anybody. And I mean, I've run right. into that with certain superstitions that I've kept where people didn't know that I kept them. And so they kind of broke them. And it, yeah, it, yeah, it's a hard thing because you never know. You don't want to offend anybody. I guess. And I kind of brush it off with people who, you know, know that I do theater or know that I'm about to be involved with a performance, but mm-hmm. aren't really familiar with this whole thing with break right. legs. So they might say good luck, but yeah. I just, I, I shrug it off. Really. Yeah. I, I don't really care. I usually just say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Shrugging seems rude, but I, you know, well, <laughs> I'm not like. I don't take it that seriously yeah. myself. Good luck. Whatever. Yeah, fine. Well, thanks. Okay. So moving on, our, the next <laughs> one on our list is that uh, you, you should not whistle backstage. And this is one that had a practical reason behind it. Yes, it did. So uh, in the research that I've done, so 
in the earlier days of theater, many of the stagehands that worked backstage were sailors or former sailors, and they were used to whistling on ships to signal certain things that had to be done. So they kind of brought that into theater. So they would whistle at different pitches, different whistles to indicate, you know, open curtain, bring this prop on, whatever it was that they had to do. Right. Before the days where now everybody working backstage has headsets, so they don't really have to be... Mm -hmm. Audible. I'm sure that must have been distracting for the audience. I can imagine, yeah. And I, I, I don't know if that was the kind of thing. It doesn't seem like that would have been used during a show. Like maybe that was during intermissions or between well, scenes that they would do something like that. I don't know. Because otherwise, like you'd have a whistle interrupting a scene. True. And I guess moving curtains around generally doesn't usually happen in the middle of a scene in right. most shows. Maybe if you have a show with a lot of different sets that have to change quickly in the course of a scene. Yeah, then but that's still, possible, I mean, but. it's usually that indicates another scene. If you're changing your set, it's generally going to indicate a different scene. So a break there wouldn't seem out of place. I'm thinking of know. I'm thinking of uh, maybe some musicals where mm-hmm. the scene may physically yeah. change over the course of a song. Right. But maybe in that case, the music and the singing is loud enough to Drown cover out the, up. The the I don't yeah. know. It's they, just, they, it, they just disguise it as birds. I found it really odd. <laughs> Who let that bird in here? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, it makes sense, though, that, you know, sailors and whatnot were handling mm-hmm. curtain rigging because it's probably, I'm sure, yeah. very similar to sail rigging. Exactly. Yeah. So that was what I read on that one. Uh, and have you whistled backstage before? Not that I remember. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm not a very a, good whistler. You're not a whistler. I, I'm kind of a whistler, so I think I've actually caught myself a couple times and been like, oh, I probably shouldn't do that. But I mean, I, I've never, that's a less common one. I have not really encountered people who are like really familiar with that in community theater. I think he gets so worried about making any noise backstage, whether it's whistling or talking that. This is true. In, in many of the theaters that you and I have both worked in, it's not uncommon for backstage noise to be audible to the audience if it's too loud. Right. And you don't want that whistling or otherwise and then you get irate stage managers yelling at you to stay quiet except they're trying to be quiet and that's a whole thing (laughs) it's kind of funny in a way sometimes never never (laughs) would anybody get frustrated and (laughs) whisper for the love of god (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was my one stage managing experience i got a little frustrated with that Uh, moving on, we have a list of forbidden props. Yeah, a lot of these were news to me. Yeah, uh, actually, the only one that I had been familiar with before was uh, no mirrors on stage, and and I've broke that. I've broken, I've broken that. that too. I haven't actually broken a mirror, at least not intentionally. So I, in fact, what the uh, the superstition one act that we were talking about earlier, there's a whole thing. I don't remember how exactly. So somebody's supposed to break like a little hand, a compact mirror at some point in that show. And I actually pre-broke it for them. Hmm. And there's a whole thing in there where somebody carried around this little shard of mirror. So I don't remember what, what <laughs> it's funny. I wrote it and I don't even remember it. I had, so I haven't encountered it in a while. I guess. What was that like 10 years ago? That was more than 10 years ago. Oh. I think roughly, it, it was definitely roughly. a while ago. Yeah. Roughly 10 years ago. So, uh, yeah. So there was a thing with a broken mirror in that. So I had a mirror on stage and actually the show that I'm consulting directing right now, which is, Probably still running, so if you'd like to, get your tickets for Night Must Fall at Barley Sheep Players. You can find them at barleysheep.org. Little plug in there. Nice. Um, so there's a big, uh, well, not a big, there's a furniture piece on stage with a large mirror that's actually facing out into the audience. So we haven't, you know, tech starts, well, today. <laughs> I'm only consulting directing, so clearly I won't be there because we're recording today. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the concern's going to be, and this is one of the concerns and one of the 
origins of no mirrors on stage is that the stage lights might reflect off the mirror into the audience. Yeah, I think, again, this is just a practical thing. Yeah. You don't really want to blind the audience usually. Yeah, so I, I don't know. At some point, it, it turned into a luck thing, I guess. So when people are, are carrying hand mirrors or stuff like that, you're like, oh, no, you're not supposed to do that. It's not supposed to be on stage. But I, I've been in productions with mirrors on there. Yeah, so have I. And a common uh, treatment for mirrors that are part of a set, for instance, is uh, hairspray we've used. Mm-hmm. No, they'll, they'll use uh, soap sometimes. Also. Okay, okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of solutions with that. So they're less reflective, I guess. But Yeah, still, and generally just pointing them so that, you know, they're not directly facing yeah. the audience. Yeah, I mean, this is a part of a furniture piece. It's like a little uh, hall tree kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's a little more difficult to point away. But again, I'm only consulting directing. So <laughs> so thankfully, not my problem. But uh, yeah, once they get the stage lights up and running, they'll figure it out, I'm sure. It's got to be tougher with like a compact mirror because it moves around so it could yeah. catch reflections and you see weird beams of light. Mm-hmm. I've even, I've had, around. I've had uh, shows that I've gone to where stage lights caught people's watches that they were wearing and reflected that out into the audience that that can be distracting. Mm. So, I mean, it's, it's, I, like you said, it's more of a practical thing and yeah, I, I, don't I don't know at what point it kind of morphed into a bad luck thing. Yeah. I mean, there are other superstitions obviously, obviously surrounding mirrors, but uh, yeah, I don't, other than the practicality, I don't really understand what's unique about. I guess maybe there's a concern stage. having them on stage that they might break. <laughs> well, that's certainly a possibility. Yeah. Probably, I'd imagine probably something similar occurs with glass in some cases. Mm-hmm. And that probably also kind of leads into one of the other forbidden props, which is uh, like real money or jewelry, because that can get lost, broke, or like, be stolen. Yeah. I think that's, again, just a practicality thing. It, anything can happen. As we've talked about before, anything mm-hmm. can happen in live theater. So yeah. you really would prefer not to have something really valuable on stage that gets handled or right and that's been my personal role too if, if i'm ever going to loan a prop or something it's like i will not loan a prop and expect it back i will not loan anything that i can't lose right uh and i've been involved with people who did loan stuff that they didn't want to lose and it accidentally got dropped or whatever and they freaked out about it but you've got to understand as you said anything can happen absolutely somebody Fumbles something, drops it, somebody steps on it. Who mm-hmm. knows what? Yeah. So that's more just a less of a uh, superstition, more of, again, practicality. Um, and, and, and these days with real money, technically, you can't duplicate money. So you can't like fake money has to be believably fake. It's a whole complicated thing now. Yeah. We're not talking like Monopoly money. <laughs> yeah. Because if you got that on stage, you're going to sit out in the audience and go, why are they using Monopoly? Money? <laughs> so either you have to use real money or you have to use like professional stage money, which <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't priced that out, but I kind of wonder is professional stage money. It'd be funny if it more were more expensive, expensive right? than the real thing. Yeah. It's like a penny costs more to produce than it's worth. But yeah. 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 I so, just got, uh, I just bought these, uh, fake, uh, stage $50 bills for, 200 bucks yeah it's a bargain <laughs> not to mention if you're doing a period piece having right stage money that looks appropriate for whatever time period yeah, exactly and i mean that's even trickier for u.s shows now because the the money changed what 10 years ago uh started, started about 20 years ago i think with the larger portraits yes yeah so so that's an issue because you would either need to get your hands on some older money <laughs> or somehow duplicate it which may or may not be legal so it gets complicated sorry i'm thinking uh Back to the Future Part Two, where he had the, uh, the the suitcase with money from all the different time periods. Oh yeah, I gotta remember that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a common trope in time travel things. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, it was the first time I had seen it or even right. thought about that. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going somewhere else in time, I guess you need to have money changes. Historically accurate money. Mm-hmm. And the same thing would go for a theatrical production, depending on the extent to which people actually see it. Now, for um, it wasn't a production I was involved with, as I recall, but at Village Players of Hatboro, I know of at least one production where they had fake money, but they made it themselves and they mm-hmm. put. Did I? I forget if I mentioned. I think we did mention him in the Village Players interview, a member named Dick Devine. Well, they put his portrait his on His photo on everything. Yeah, okay, yeah. That was the one whose uh, photo was always on stage Yes, somewhere. yes. Okay. So they worked that in That's that nice. way by having his photo on the money. That's a nice touch. I think it was <laughs> uh, when I did the Grass Harp at Forge, somebody made fake money for that and had the director's face oh, on Oh, clever. It. Yeah. So, I mean, you know... It, it certainly happens, it. whether that's legal or not. I have no idea. It doesn't really matter because who's going to come after you for, for that? You're not trying to... There's a difference between... You're not trying to create, pass it off as legal tender. Right. Yeah, you're creating a prop. You're not counterfeiting. Right. Yeah. So I think, yeah, with with that, not again, not so much a superstition anymore. And, and also jewelry. I, I, there's so much good play jewelry, fake jewelry out there that that's not so much of an issue. There is in anymore. real life that people buy and wear. If they yeah, don't. costume jewelry. Yeah, exactly. It's actually called costume yeah. jewelry. So, yeah, but I, I guess back in the day, there wasn't as much of that around and it was real jewelry and and theft was a very big issue, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago when actors weren't paid well, unlike today in community theater where we're oh. paid very well. But <laughs> Living like kings. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you. I guess it's just a more trusting situation that we're in i don't know and i think it's just easier to fake a lot of stuff nowadays so that it looks good exactly but isn't really valuable so here's one that i've heard but i couldn't really find so much in research that i've heard that it's bad luck to peek onto stage from behind the curtain really yeah so and i mean i know people who do this all the time i maybe it's something that i just made up myself and then completely forgot that i made it up that's possible i I just found that if you're doing that, there's a good chance the audience can see you. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. Unless you're looking through a peephole of some kind where you know mm-hmm. that nobody can possibly see you yeah. in that position. Well, I know at Barley Sheaf, there's actually, sometimes there's entrances from the back of the audience mm-hmm. and uh, the, the green room, there's stairs down to the green room at the back of the house and then there's a curtain in front of those. So people peek in from that oh, curtain okay. quite often. Yeah, but the audience isn't facing that direction. No, so there's no risk of being seen, but I still... Unless I'm making an entrance and trying to make sure that, you know, okay, I'm about to come on, I generally won't peek out from behind that curtain either. I just, that's something that just stuck in, in Does my that head. only apply for the actors or at the stage manager? I don't know. I, it's just, again, something, I don't know the origin of this. I couldn't find it, but I've heard that it's bad luck. I bring that up because, in particular, I had just seen a production at Village Players of 12 Angry Jurors, and... Normally, the way they design their sets a lot of the time, the stage manager is usually in the same location in every show. We mm-hmm. talked about that before, I think. Right. Uh, and usually the set gets configured so that there's an opening near the stage manager so that they can kind of see what's going on on stage if they have to because right. there's not a monitor or anything backstage. Mm-hmm. But in this production, they didn't have that for... That's kind of a rarity. Right. Uh, so what if the stage manager has to see what's going on on stage? And then you've got to do it. I mean, I that's the kind of thing like practicality over superstition. That's the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. And there very well might be other situations where an actor might kind of need to see what's going on on stage before an entrance. Yeah, I mean, as I said, that stuck with me, and I generally don't do it, but like, I don't think I've ever told anybody, hey, you're not supposed to do that. That's bad luck. I've done that with certain things. The Macbeth thing is the the one that always sticks with me because I've actually had stuff happen, and we'll talk about that 
Uh, looking at the time, we'll probably talk about that next week. But All right. uh, yeah, when we get to the Macbeth, I've got some stories with that. Or maybe not next week. It could be sooner. Or yes, it could be. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> That's some scary stuff, boys and girls. Anyway, moving on to the next, uh, this is one that I think most people who do theater are familiar with, and that's Bad Dress, Good Opening. Yeah, so the dress rehearsal, of course, being the final rehearsal prior to opening, Mm -hmm. and so I guess people got in their heads that if that doesn't go well, that bodes well for the production. Right, and I think, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording. Yes, it's definitely superstition. It's a well-known one, but I think it's another question of practicality where if you're final dress rehearsal goes really poorly what else are you going to say (laughs) you can't be like oh i guess we're screwed this is going nowhere fast uh, ladies and gentlemen yeah it's kind of like uh you know rain at your wedding they well they say you know rain at your wedding that's good luck so i i I never heard that that. either yeah that that's that's definitely a thing and and it poured at my wedding and well so far so good but, Fortunately, it was indoors. Yes, it was indoors. That's one of the reasons we didn't plan an outdoor wedding was it might rain. Seems practical. Yeah. So, yeah, bad dress, good opening. It's just something where if your dress rehearsal goes bad, you say your opening is going to go good because otherwise your morale would be horrible. Yeah, it's the only motivational thing anybody can probably really say at that point. Yes. So what happens if you have a good dress rehearsal? Mm, you still have a good opening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think the opposite this is sounds true. sounds like a Punxsutawney Phil uh, predicament. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So there's that. Uh, another one is that you're supposed to, you're not supposed to give flowers before a performance. And I've seen that happen. I've seen it. Usually if you're getting flowers before performance, it's if actors are giving you flowers. Like some actors like to give flowers to everybody before a show. I've seen yeah, that they usually exchange that you yeah. know, because people are hanging around, getting ready, mm-hmm. usually have a lot of downtime. So they yeah. tend to do that kind of thing when they arrive. And I, I feel like the origin of this is, it could be one of two things. Uh, one of them could be, that you don't want people who are not involved with the show distracting the actors before a performance. Well, so you wouldn't want them sense. down there. Maybe it's almost like a, you don't want to kind of like seeing the bride, bride yeah. before the wedding kind of thing. Don't see the, you know, the actor, before the, actor the show. before the show. Yeah, I, that kind of makes Maybe. sense. Another wedding parallel there. Whoa. The other possibility could be it's similar to the break a leg thing where you don't want to congratulate somebody for a good performance before they've had that performance. Yeah, well, that yeah, that, that's a common thing in many cases yeah i mean it pretty much makes sense you know you don't want to say hey great job you're not going to congratulate a sports team before they play a game yes that's why they wait till after the game to hand out the trophies exactly yeah kind of a same yeah flowers are like the trophies in a way Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. it makes sense but more just kind of as a kind of an etiquette like not jinxing kind of a thing maybe yeah yeah preemptive congratulations Mm -hmm. all right now this is this is a strange one that i had not heard of before about having Three lit candles. Yeah, I was not familiar with either. Specifically three lit candles. Yeah, I mean, I, I had I read some that just said no candles, but it seemed more frequent when I was doing my research that it was specifically three lit candles. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a question of bad things come in threes. That's, that's my guess as to why it's three. Uh, and I don't know where the bad things come in threes thing. Uh, I don't know what that origin is. It's like, you know, when celebrities die, they're like, oh, well, there's number three. Yeah, right, right. Celebrity deaths is a common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also has other connotations like comedy, the rule of comedy. Of yeah, rule, rule of three in comedy. Yeah. So three that. is a very significant number in many respects. Yeah. So probably some of which date back to religious things. And oh, I'm sure. I mean, you've got the Holy Trinity, so. Sure, yeah. sure. I mean, this might be another case of practicality where if you're having 
more than three lit candles, there's a risk of fire. But I mean, you'd have a risk with one candle. I well, okay. This is just a hypothesis on my part. Mm-hmm. But if you had one or two lit candles, you could carry them with one or two hands if you had to bring them in on or off stage or move them around. That makes sense. If you have three, now you've run out of hands. Yeah. Just a thought. Unless you've got more than one person, <laughs> obviously. Or if you have three hands, <laughs> that would be the other Perhaps, possibility. Perhaps, <laughs> yes, yes. We may have mentioned it before about, and I can't remember if we did specifically, but um, I've run into the thing... Uh, the rules of certain theaters having prohibiting uh, open flames mm-hmm. on stage. Yeah. Which does have a practical element to it, especially if you think of the history of theater related to, you know, th- theaters getting burnt down. Yeah. But I think, you know, <laughs> that was back in the day when the lighting was uh, flame based. Torches. <laughs> yes. So I think it's less common now. But I, yeah, again, still a risk. So uh, yeah, ask uh, the, ask the uh, people uh, running the Globe Theater back in the 17th yeah, century. Yeah. And then the other part of the three lit candles uh, superstition that I had read was that the closest person to the lowest candle, so the one that has burned down the most, will be the next person to die. And I've I've read an alternate one of that. Okay. Instead of the next person to die, the next person to marry. I, I had heard that as well, yes. So it's, I mean, and these are like two, uh, die or marry. It's like... That's the same thing. Yeah, same. Your life is over either way. <laughs> <laughs> or your life just begins. <laughs> Hi, honey. I got to be careful who hears me say this <laughs> yeah, stuff. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's the closest to the lowest candle. So I, these these start to get into the realm of the ridiculous for me. That sounds like a tarot kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a relatively superstitious person. I think that kind of comes hand in hand with my OCD. But I'm not. I frequently walk under ladders all the time. I actually, I won't walk under a ladder. No. That one, there are certain things I won't do that bother. I won't walk under a ladder. I won't put an umbrella over my head indoors. <laughs> I could have fun with you. I won't say Macbeth <laughs> in a theater. Yeah, you uh, yeah. you got a little uh, unnerved about that, I think, when Ashley accidentally or unintentionally yeah. said it. Oh, I've, the, it, it's happened. Interview. And we'll, that we'll was in those. a theater. We'll get to those. Okay, okay. <laughs> we keep teasing the uh, Macbeth. Yeah, ooh. <laughs> you should never tease Macbeth. <laughs> All right, so uh, costume colors is kind of Yeah, this was an, an odd unusual. one that I hadn't heard of. So we, we left one of the uh, forbidden props out, peacock feathers. Well, that could be oh, as a prop or as a costume piece. Yeah, let's talk about it as a costume. So you can't have any peacock feathers on your costume. Because of the whole evil eye <laughs> Yeah, thing. so uh, there's a pattern on peacock feathers that kind of looks like an evil eye, so that's where that one, the And if you've never seen is. a peacock, go look it up on Google Images. Yes, just look up peacock feather. Or go to the uh, zoo or something. Yeah, go to the zoo. Get out. Get out of the house. <laughs> yes. Stop listening to podcasts. Get out of that. Well, no, well, wait. Don't you, stop. Listen to ours and then go get out of the house. You could or, listen to ours while you're out of the house. There you go. Put it Put it on your headphones in your car and go, and uh, we'll wait for you to go look at a peacock. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay, you're back. Uh, moving on. Uh, so costume, uh, costume stuff is costume colors mostly. There's uh, no green, no blue. Yeah, uh, I didn't quite understand the no green so this was something that, that I found very interesting. So the no green is historically due to the early spotlights. So spotlights were originally created through burning quicklime. And what is quicklime? That's a damn fine question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fortunately, I happen to have the internet right at my disposal. It is calcium oxide. Okay. 
So apparently burning that gives off a bright light, and I think they probably used mirrors. White and, such. and caustic. Okay. White? Yeah, that's what it says. Interesting. So from what I read... Well, that might just be what color it naturally is before you burn it. Okay, so maybe it gives off a... Well, I, I mean, the green, I think, just didn't look good under the burning quicklime. And burning quicklime is also the origin of the phrase, the limelight. So when you're stepping into the limelight, you're stepping into the spotlight. Indeed. Yeah. And now, of course, I'm just thinking of Rush. Yes. <laughs> uh, so the other one was blue, and the blue one was yeah, due this, to it. This was a little more of a practicality. Yeah, because blue was an expensive dye. Correct. Now, I had also read that red, that red was an expensive dye, but I didn't read anything about red being bad. No, I didn't see that either. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and you know, it gets associated to productions that fail kind of as a self-fulfilling prophecy because those productions are trying to, you know, show that they're not financially suffering by featuring blue mm -hmm. clothing. Right. Where it's really just kind of maybe bringing about the inevitable yes. in a way. Yeah, and I think a lot of these are, are based with that. And I think I had read something about blue wearing blue with silver hmm. kind of depicting okay we're financially stable okay well, that makes sense and this is a very expensive look mm -hmm. okay that covers a lot of these little throwaway ones i think we should save the next for an actual halloween episode Ooh, you mean on halloween itself on halloween itself oh my goodness which i believe is two days from now correct we will be releasing a special, well, I guess we already called this a special Halloween episode, but it'll be the second part of this special Halloween episode, Ooh. and we'll be discussing the much-teased Macbeth superstition, as yeah. well as theater ghosts. Ooh, boy. Yeah. Creepy stuff. Scary stuff. Scary stuff. <laughs> Blah. Ooh. Okay, we'll try not to do too much of that next oh, week. Oh, but it's fun. It is fun. But hey, at least we get a uh, second use out of the spooky version of the theme. That's right. Yeah. So until Halloween Day, Halloween morning, we'll release this. I am Glenn. And I am Jim. And thanks for listening to The Backstage Show. Bye-bye. I let both of us look like idiots, not just one of us. What, what else are you going to do? Because the, well, the dress Guys, rehearsal sucked. That so, sucked. Yeah. We got nothing. <laughs> this production is going down the tubes real fast. Well, let's, let's, let's do a goofy one and see how it comes out. All right. <laughs> Yo, uh, hi, I'm Glenn. <laughs> Sorry. Hi, Glenn. I'm Jim. Welcome yeah. to the backstage show. Okay. <laughs> Hello. I am Glenn. And I am Jim. It's, is it going to sound better with the echo? Because it sounds stupid now. <laughs> That's just not going to work, is it? <laughs> it sounds really dumb. Maybe, All right. maybe just All right, the theme Floyd. is enough. Count Floyd. <laughs> and I didn't even throw in a blur. Oh, it's super scary, yeah. boys and girls. It's blur. Ooh. <laughs> I am Glenn. And I am Jim. Sorry. This week on the Backstage Show, we're doing a special Halloween episode In discussing... <laughs> Sorry. This, that's all right. This week on the Backstage Show, we're doing a Halloween special discussing... Discussing? <laughs> <laughs> take, we're we're take on a roll. Yeah, we really are.
So, uh, as many of you know, um, if not all of you, I have no idea how many of you are familiar with theater. Uh, probably all of you. <laughs> God, we are really rusty. <laughs> or at least I am. Hmm. Hello, I am Glenula. And I am Jigor. <laughs> Jigor? 